Joined by Sirius XM NASCAR Radio's Davey Siegel, as we'll get to know Davey and talk about everything going on in the NASCAR world. Plus, we'll have our news and notes segment, as well as our Ask David segment at the end of the show. Today's show is presented by Ticket Smarter. Ticket Smarter came aboard the prize on David's 08 Ford Mustang, and we want to tell you a little bit more about what they do. Ticket Smarter is a national ticket resale marketplace with tickets to over 125,000 live events including NASCAR and other forms of motorsports. Can, fans can get tickets to every NASCAR Cup, Xfinity, and Camping World Truck Race throughout the season. Visit Ticketsmarter.com for more. That's Ticketsmarter.com. David Starr joins us right now off of a weekend at Atlanta. David, your first time to race on the new Atlanta. We will get into Chase Elliott's win in just a moment before we do. I want to ask you, what was it like? What was the experience like racing on the super speedway version of Atlanta? Man, it was awesome. They, I tell you, the, the reconfiguration, the, the racing surface, just the racing is incredible. You know, I love the old-style racetrack here at Atlanta Motor Speedway. I love slipping and sliding and kind of putting it back in the driver's seat. But, you know, running racing at Atlanta – and racing it like a super speedway, like you're at Daytona and Talladega, I mean, it's just kind of hard to comprehend that, you know, for as long as we raced Atlanta. I mean, you're slipping and sliding, your tires wore out after two laps, and uh, to go there and run wide open pretty much the whole race and draft, it was just incredible. They did a great job with the racetrack. It's exciting. It's It, it was just, I loved it. It was unbelievable. Pretty cool. Yeah, no practice and no qualifying. So your first time in the new configuration was the race itself. How quickly did you realize, oh, man, this is a lot different? Well, it was kind of interesting because I, I stayed there at the Land Motor Speedway in a condo, and uh, it was uh, Friday night. They were having a charity. Uh, people could drive on the racetrack. The fans could. And uh, I'm like, man, I should go get in the line and, and drive on the racetrack because <laughs> I can make some laps, you know. And uh, – and I said, man, most of these fans have more laps than I have here. But, uh, you know, when they dropped the green flag, my uh, Ticket Smarter Ford Mustang was really loose. We were just extremely loose. And I, a lot of people in front of me were loose. And, uh, and uh, so it took me about four or five laps to figure out what I was doing. But I was trying to keep my car underneath me and stay ahead of it. Uh, but I was loose. I was so loose that we lost the draft. And uh, we lost a lap, but uh, Jason Miller, my crew chief, man, when first time the caution came out, we came in and, and uh, tightened it up, needed to tighten it up a little bit more. But uh, after uh, we lost our lap, we got the thing driving really great. And, uh, man, I was able to get my lap back. And, and uh, it, was a, it was a fun race for us, you know, racing. It's like Daytona and Talladega. We had a little bit of a big spring in the back of the car because we, we really had talked about it early in the week that we thought it was going to be extremely hot in Atlanta. And the racing surface, when your asphalt gets hot, handling comes into play, you know. So a lot of times when you go to Daytona and Talladega, you know, you want your car as low as possible. You don't want the spoiler in there. You got a lot of skew in the car, so you don't have as much drag. And uh, we, we went there with downforce in the back of the car, bigger right rear spring. And once we got our lap back, got back on the lead lap, running wide open, my car was incredible, drove good, handled well. 
but we needed another hundred horsepower going down the straightaways. And Jason Miller, my crew chief, kept apologizing to me on the radio. Uh, said, "Hey, man, just give it, give us all you got. We uh, we just got too much drag in the back of the car, and we got what we got. But man, what a fun race it was! It was a lot of fun, and I enjoyed it. Uh, really, we were we were a lot better than where we finished. But uh, again, you know, it's uh, we could have lowered the car a quarter inch, would have picked up a hundred horsepower, you know. But but it was a fun race, and." Uh, it was an exciting race on Saturday, and then back that up with Sunday to see. Man, I stayed and watched that race. That was incredible. Just a great weekend of racing there at the Land Motor Speedway. Yeah, for sure. And Dominic Aragon from the RacingExperts.com joins us. Dom, uh, Chase Elliott with the win on Sunday. He was just terrific. Uh, a great race on Chase Elliott's front. And now, not only did he get the win, but leads the playoff points and has the most wins. Chase Elliott, do you think we've established him as the favorite now based on what happened this weekend? Well, I go back to David's comments last week. We were talking about it amongst ourselves. David, you said this was really the first time in the last few weeks that we've changed. We've seen Chase Elliott run up front and run consistently, and we saw that this past weekend. When you talk about a perfect game or a perfect race in NASCAR, that's collecting all the stage points possible and maximizing that with your race results. He did that, picking up the two stage wins, picking up the race victory, 60 points. Now, outside the Coke 600, the most you can pick up in a race is 60 points. Chase did that. He extended his points lead. As we know, the regular season champion also gets the additional playoff points heading into the, the postseason. We have eight races left until that. I think we're seeing that Chase Elliott and that nine team, it's their championship and they're the, the team that is favored right now and it's theirs to lose. Well, I, I, I agree with you. You know, uh, Chase was strong at Road America. He's been consistently good all year long, but uh, I think he's our favorite right now. But, man, being there and watching the race, Tyler Reddick was incredible. Had a fast car. Chase's car was one of the dominant cars, the dominant car. But Tyler Reddick ran up there right with him, led laps. He was in incredibly – he had a great car. It was fast. It had a lot of speed. Uh, on one of his pit stops, he overshot his box and had to back up, and it put him – uh, it probably put him 12, 13 spots uh, back to where he was running. And they, they had a little bit of a uh, – somebody got in the wall. I don't remember what happened, but he got caught up in the back of that and took him out of the race. But, man, he was he was very strong. And then you look at Ross Chastain. I mean, his car was beat up. And, man, that thing, I mean, he almost won the race. And uh, so, you know, you look at – you know, Chase Elliott obviously is, you know – I think his third or fourth win, whatever third. it was, third win of the season. And, and he's a, you know, he's, a, you know, the guy that we think is the guy to win the championship. But, man, there's so many other ones right there with him. Chase Elliott, I mean, you know, Tyler Reddick, uh, Ross Chastain, and uh, those guys are just as consistent. Right. I mean, Dominic, <laughs> along those same lines of Chase Elliott's, you know, leading points, wins, playoff points, all that. With that said, it's not like that it's a big gap or anything. It's not like that Chase Elliott cannot be taken down of some sorts. I mean, there is still a whole lot of competition. This is not like what we've had in previous years where, okay, Kevin Harvick's dominating or even Kyle Larson at this point last year. Yes, he is one, but beyond that, there's a whole lot of guys still there. This isn't a big gap, I think, between Chase Elliott and everybody else. You're right. We were seeing some consistency from Ross Chastain, 
there's definitely a lot of racing left that's got to be determined out. I mean, we could still have 16 winners heading into Daytona. Certainly, that's going to be a little harder now. But nonetheless, the competition has been very stout this year in the Cup Series. And like we've talked about it all year in the parody theme of 2022. Certainly, we saw that at Atlanta this weekend, too. Yeah, for sure. Dominic uh, Davies Siegel, our guest this week, somebody that you and I both have known for a while and have seen him on the road over the years. Tell us about Davey before we officially bring him in. Yeah, Davey has been a part of the NASCAR Media Corps for quite some time now. I'm going to go on a limb and say about a good eight, nine years. Cut his teeth covering a lot of Canon West and East Series, as well as working with NBC Washington. He's done some freelance work with NASCAR.com, with Front Stretch, and now with his most recent pit stop at Sirius XM Radio. So, Davey, thank you so much for joining us this week on Let's Go Racing. Glad to be with you guys. It's been a long time coming. And like you said, Dom, I've, I've known you, I've known Tyler, and I've known David from afar for a while. So it's good to be hanging out with you guys. Thanks for the invite. Two yeah, Davids in one place? <laughs> that might be too much. I know. I know. I'll, I'll head out. I'll see y'all later. <laughs> I'll tell you guys, this won't be as confusing as last year. You'll remember this star. We had you, David Swope of ESPN Radio, and Dave Moody all on the same show. That was fun. That was all the names, cool. all the Davids in one place. It's too much for me. I work enough with Moody, so y'all can. <laughs> <laughs> well, Davey, let's, let's go back to the beginning, man. One of our favorite things here on the show. We love to just find out people's story and their backstory and where they came from and what got them inspired to be in our industry in the first place. So where did that passion start for you? Take us back to the beginning. Yeah, well, it started in my family. Um, nobody in my family raced. Nobody in my family was really interested in racing until my dad was in college down at Emory in Atlanta, Georgia, and he kind of discovered Road Atlanta, the racetrack, because his friend had a cool sports car, took it out on, on the track for some track days and said, that's pretty fun. Started watching NASCAR, got into that, watching other forms of motorsports. And then when I was pretty young, I kind of latched onto his passion and then grew mine into a bit of an unhealthy obsession. And then one thing led to another. And now you're working in the sport and you guys kind of know how that goes. So growing up in the greater DC area, I grew up in a town called Rockville in Maryland, which is about a 30 minute drive outside of our nation's capital. As you would imagine, Washington DC, not the most target rich environment for racing <laughs> and not a lot of NASCAR fans in the area either. So I was always kind of like that kid that was the NASCAR guy, you know what I mean? It's like there's not that many Jewish NASCAR fans from the D.C. area, so <laughs> I would consider myself one of one, me and my dad, I guess. Um, but ever since I was a little kid, probably four or five years old, started watching the sport in 2001 before I even really remember or comprehend what I was seeing, I've been watching the sport every single Sunday, which transitioned into Saturdays and Fridays, and now Monday through Friday and the weekend, seven days a week, 24-7, 365. You guys know how it is. This sport is all-consuming, but wouldn't change it for the world. It is my passion. It is my life. And, and even then, you went to school at Michigan State, uh, who, you know, is accustomed to losing to my national champion, Kansas Jayhawks. Take it easy. Uh, <laughs> easy. Had to throw that in there. Uh, easy. I, I didn't show out today, by the way. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, but Davey, I, I can't imagine that when you went to uh, <laughs> Michigan State that there was too many NASCAR fans there either. There's more up there than there were in D.C., I can tell you that. I met a, a few awesome people up there working for the student radio station, going through the journalism school that had some prior experience working in motorsports, be it in local television or local radio, or even some of my friends that I've gotten to know up there that 
went and worked at MIS, Michigan International Speedway. Ken Friend, no pun intended, a good friend of mine, was the PA announcer at MIS back in the day. And he has some really, really cool archives and collections from his time there. So he was one that I really got to know up there. But I mean, like you said, East Lansing, again, not necessarily a target-rich environment for racing, but Michigan in the Midwest, as you guys know, is a really, really big area for racing. I mean, again, growing up where I did and how I did, short track racing, grassroots level, that was not a thing for me. I went to Dover for my first race in 2002, went back twice a year, every year up until I went to school. And the first time that I went to a legitimate short track, I guess was Richmond for a cup race. But besides that, I mean, it wasn't until I started up the K&M Pro Series West, my first ever race I covered for NASCAR home tracks at the time, now NASCAR Roots, out in San Bernardino at Orange Show Speedway. That was legitimately my first ever short track race. Like I didn't grow up with the grassroots side of things and going to your local short track on Saturday nights because I didn't, I didn't have one. So I didn't really understand that side of things. All I knew was the Cup Series on Sunday at Dover and at Richmond and then ended up going to some other tracks with my dad. We try to kind of check off a new track every year. Um, so to answer your original question, Tyler, Michigan was a little bit more of aware of NASCAR and, and my friends that I made up there, they still kind of knew me as the NASCAR guy going to the journalism program there. Everybody wanted to cover, you know, football, basketball, baseball, hockey, soccer, whatever. I was that motorsports guy, but wouldn't trade it for the world. Like I said, it, it gave me my niche, as you can say. So I'll keep it. I'll take it. <laughs> That's great. Well, David, go ahead. Well, man, David, thank you for representing our sport, man, up there. Hell, nobody wanted to cover it but you. That's <laughs> awesome, man. And, uh, yeah, of course. I don't believe you're one or two anymore. You know what I mean? Our sport yeah. has, has uh, exploded. And, man, there's so many followers all over the country, all over the world. And uh, – it's interesting to hear your story. You know, it's great to hear people's stories and how they how they found the passion for what we all love. Uh, but you know, it's kind of interesting uh, to not you know to not really the grassroots. You know, the sh the short tracks around the country. I mean, you started at the top. <laughs> you kind of did it there in reverse. You went you went to the top cup, uh, Dar uh, not Darlington, uh, Dover. And then, uh, and then visiting your short track later on. But man, what a what a great sport, as you know, and all of us know. I mean, the heartbeat of what we do here is, is the short tracks across America, and all the young men, all the young kids, female, male. Uh, you know, that's where you learn how to be a race car driver and and and, and showcase your talents and and learn about sports and watch all the superstars on television and then win races, win championships. And there's so many stepping ladders to, uh, to NASCAR. It's cool to, to kind of follow a lot of these kids around the country that start grassroots yeah. and to see them end up as a professional. It's pretty awesome. And I love uh, what NASCAR has done, how they get behind all that. But man, I, I, I love racing at short tracks just because, uh, you know, most of us, uh, that's where we, we, that's where we learn how to, that's where we learn to love our sport, you know, where we learn how to race and just everything about it. What so, were some of your favorite short tracks that you've been able to go and, and cover at, David? Oh, man. Or Orange Show has a special place in my heart because that was the first one that I went to. I, I was a fish out of water. I didn't know what was going on. I didn't know where to go, what to do, how to cover that event. So that kind of holds a special place in my heart. 
but I really liked some of the tracks that I hit on the East Coast. South Boston Speedway comes to mind. Had my first bologna burger there. I was in heaven. Had like five that <laughs> night. That was great. Um, Langley Speedway, another track in Southern Virginia that the K&M Pro Series now Arca East used to race at. And I know Denny Hamlin had a short track show down there. That was a really cool venue as well. But the West Coast, I feel like, is almost a hidden gem of local short tracks for grassroots motorsports. Tucson Speedway, there are so many intricacies of that racetrack, from a media perspective at least. The press box, guys. I mean, A, it doesn't really exist. But B, to get up to where you can watch the race from an aerial perspective, it is a 90-degree ladder, painted in red, rusted, and you got to walk up that, crawl through this little fire escape, and then you're on the roof, and then you got to go to another perch on top of the roof. It is. It, it, it brings me back. I was going to say it brings me back to when I was a kid growing up on local short tracks, but I didn't do that. But to your point, David, something that I think I really learned going the opposite direction from the Cup, Xfinity, and Truck down to the local short tracks, that kind of gave me a, a better and a bigger appreciation for – how these drivers and these teams and these fans become invested in the sport. You know, 90% of people, they go that traditional route. They start at their local short track and say, oh, well, it's bigger and better over here. Let's, let's watch this. Let's try this. But again, I wasn't exposed to that. So being an adult and being able to understand the intricacies of how local short track racing works and the K&M Pro Series at that point was kind of the main event of that weekend when I was out there and seeing all these different classes that were happening. I didn't know what Hornets were. I didn't know what street stocks were. I didn't know what a damn super late model was. Right. I quickly learned and I gained a really, really big appreciation for all those different disciplines. And now I follow those more, just as much, if not more than I do um, the national series. But um, there was just so much going on at that point on the West Coast, on the East Coast, in the Midwest, but from a NASCAR perspective, there are so many different NASCAR-sanctioned racetracks across the country, literally ocean to ocean, that have weekly racing going on. And I mean, you guys know you can watch it whenever, wherever. Flow Sports got you covered pretty much soup to nuts. But it's crazy to think that, you know, going back four or five, six years, I knew basically nothing about the grassroots level of motorsports. And now I understand how integral and how important it is to the growth of people like David Starr and even people like me, Dom and Tyler, right, on the media side, because without grassroots and being able to hone our craft as race fans, understanding things, and also on the media side, getting to know these drivers and getting to know how the sausage is made, so to speak, from a broadcast perspective or just from a media perspective, that stuff's really, really invaluable. So I, I'm glad that I was able to be exposed to that later in life than most people because I feel like if I didn't then I would not have had as big of appreciation for the sport as a whole motorsports as a whole as I do now so like David we see a lot of people obviously want to try their hand at racing too is there a chance we'd get to see you behind the wheel somewhere at your local short track I would love that are you kidding <laughs> oh my god I remember there was this one time I was sitting on a bus going to summer camp I always wanted to be a race car driver, right? What, what kid doesn't want to be a race car driver? Absolutely. And then it hit me randomly. I was like, well, I don't really have the financial support. I don't really have the emotional support. I don't live in the right place. I don't know the right people. Th this probably is not going to happen, right? I'm like 10, 11, 12 years old at this point. It's too late. I would have to move, skip college. My parents, like, it's, it's just not going to happen. And I remember I was like on the bus sitting by myself. 
I just started quietly crying. I was like, oh man, I'm not going to be a race car driver. This is so sad. <laughs> I had never driven anything. I had always been like, yeah, I'll be a championship race car driver. I had no chance. Um, I always wanted to be, and I've only gotten the chance to ride in a stock car once at Kern County. Um, I've ridden in a pace car with Corey LaJoy. He took me 134 around Chicagoland. Wow. That's the fastest I think I've ever gone. David, if, if your car is open, I'm more than willing to strap in and give her a shot, and I'll bring her home clean. You got my <laughs> word. <laughs> well, well, we actually had that opportunity. Yeah, absolutely. We, uh, you know, I own a racing school at the Texas Motor Speedway. It's called Team Texas High Performance Driving School, and uh, we have NASCAR stock car race cars, and anytime you're in town and you want to drive one, uh, it's, it's incredible. That's the best part about uh, my job and what I do when I'm not a NASCAR driver. The racing school is just – seeing the fans and the people come and drive our race cars and, and just seeing the joy, uh, the excitement, the tears, the emotions, you know, and, 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 and their perspective is, is amazing. You know, we have men and women and, and, and kids, uh, not, not, you know, kids that just got their driver's license that come drive our race cars. We give race car rides, but it's awesome hearing you talk, Davey, uh, you know, uh, about how how NASCAR was your passion and how you didn't live in the right area, didn't know the right people, there wasn't a track around. Uh, a lot of these people that come to our racing school, my racing school, uh, you know, they're, 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 their story is maybe similar to yours. You know, they just didn't know the right people or how to go about it, but they had dreams. You know, every every little girl or not every little girl, but lots of little girls, lots of little boys, man, they, 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 man, I'll be a race car driver, you know, and then, you know, it don't really ever happen or get that opportunity. But man, when you, you know, you grow up, go to college, have a career and, and then you get a chance to go get in a real NASCAR race car with a racing uniform and a helmet and get in there and drive it at 150 miles an hour. It, it's yeah. brought a lot of tears to a lot of people. And, that, and that's the part I really, the gratification for me is to see people, love what we all love and enjoy it like we do it's it's pretty awesome so the invitation is open to you buddy and, and i right. can tell you davy tyler and i will be your guinea pigs we're going to be doing this over labor day okay. week so we'll let you know how it goes and what not to do whenever you get the chance to come and do it <laughs> labor day weekend i will book a flight for the following weekend how about that <laughs> <laughs> come on man come on we'll make it happen. i want to go back on that uh on the short track side of things david uh I mean, you, you grew up racing, obviously, and in and, and some of these places that Davey mentioned, uh, on, on your vantage points of the, of the short track side of things, how important is short track racing to the growth of this sport and the, the maturation process of these drivers like Davey's talking about? Man, it, it's everything. And you know, it's the grassroots, you know, to hear Davey speak about it. You know, it's the grassroots. It's the fundamentals of what we do. I mean, you learn how to, I mean, you learn how to race. I mean, you're, you're talking a three-eighths mile, quarter mile pavement track, dirt track, half mile racetrack. And, man, you're talking some of, these, some of these features are 25 laps, 50 laps. And, man, you, I mean, you got to race hard. When they drop that green, you might start 10th or 15th or 20th or whatever, and you don't have much time. And, man, this is where you really learn great car control. You learn how to enter the corner. You learn how to get your race car to turn, you know, to get it to rotate in the center and four bikes, everything. And, you know, you really learn uh, how to race and how to race well, you know, and, you know, and how to have patience and 
when to kind of use the bumper. I mean, it just teaches you everything. And here at Davy Talk, you know, you learn the fans there are passionate about racing. You and a driver, a young kid, a young girl that's races, you know, you know, you're somewhat of a local star. People want your autographs and people, you know, they you got hero cards and you have media at your local racetracks covering it. And you learn how to speak to the media. You learn what your race car needs handling wise and how to how to drive it and how to have a good handling. I mean, everything, all the fundamentals of what we do as a professional, all of us. I mean, I, I, I learned most of everything I know from my short track days, you know, yeah. I think it, it's critical. It's critical to our sport. And, you know, uh, we're not going to do this forever. Who's, who's coming up behind us, you know, and you see a lot of these young kids that are racing in the NASCAR camp world truck series and the Xfinity series and some in the cup series. I mean, these kids are, are really, really good great race car drivers, so talented, and to hear their stories and hear where they learn and what types of cars they learn. And, and, and I'd say 90% of them will tell you, man, I learned how to race on, on when I was on the short tracks I grew up on, yeah. you know, and I just think it, it's so critical to the future of our industry. You got to have feeders, you know, where are we going to get the next group of guys in cup and the next group of guys coming into the truck series it's going to come from the from the short tracks across America. Right. You know what I mean? These kids are earning opportunities. They're really good. And somebody said, man, that kid is so good. I'm going to put him in the truck series because, I mean, he's so talented, you know. So there's opportunities yeah. out there. And uh, I just think the short tracks across America, the grassroots short tracks that we're talking about, without that, you know, I, I don't think the future of our sport would be big. It's a big, it's a big deal. So, so Davey, uh, along those same lines of the guys that you saw coming up, who were some of the more notable names that, that you got to see on their rise to uh, NASCAR stardom, guys or gals, whoever, that, uh, that you saw in their early days? Who were those that, that came to mind? Yeah, a few of them that kind of are in the forefront for me. Derek Krause, got to know him really, really well. He absolutely tore up the Canaan West scene, as did his teammate at the time, Haley Deegan, who's obviously running in the truck series with Derek this year, just coming off the top 10 at Mid-Ohio. Got to know her extremely well. And then on the east side, Tyler Ankrum, Tanner Gray. Uh, I was there for Ankrum's first win at South Boston, or Gray's first win at South Boston, excuse me. And um, I remember his family was there and Johnny Gray, his dad's, you know, now obviously a big investor in DGR and what they're doing over there. And I, I remember, you know, seeing the emotion on his face, knowing what he's kind of poured into his son's racing on the drag side and now moving over to the stock car side. That was a really cool moment to kind of be a part of. And then there's a lot of other drivers that have kind of come through the pipeline that are now in the NASCAR National Series. But I think that there's also something to be said for, you know, we talk about truck lifers, you know, Matt Crafton, Johnny Sauter, those types of guys, right? The KM Pro Series has those guys too. Excuse me, Arca West and Arca East Series, they have those guys too. I mean, Todd Souza has been racing in the West Series for over a decade or so. His crew chief, Michael Munoz, these are guys, these are names that a lot of NASCAR fans, surface level NASCAR fans, they've never heard of, right? But these guys have dedicated their lives to racing locally out West in NASCAR. And, you know, on the East side, there's a handful of names too, even on the ARCA platform, you know, the Kimmel name comes to mind, Tim Richmond and, and their organization obviously has been around for so, so long. There's one really cool story that I always go back to. 
And I don't think he gets enough coverage because it's hard to. There's a man named Takuma Koga who's Japanese. His English is not the best, so he doesn't do too many interviews on the record or anything. But he has also raced in Arca West for almost a decade, if not more. He lives in Noyoga, Japan, and commutes to the U.S. for every race. Wow. That is incredible dedication, right? And, I mean, Takuma would probably tell you, too, he, he's never won a race. He's only finished top 10 a handful of times between us four here. The car count for that series is not anything great, right? So finishing top 10 is not even that huge of an accomplishment right now. But this guy does it for the love of racing, right? He's got a simulator business back in Japan. He's got two kids that – he always posts videos of them running go-karts out in Japan. And he flies across the world to run in the Arca West series and has for years and years and years. And he doesn't expect any sort of, you know, warm welcome recognition for doing it. He does it because he loves it. And I think that kind of goes back to the whole point of grassroots racing. Yes, you know, young drivers, they come up through the ranks because they want to get to their ultimate goal of being in the Cup Series or Truck or Xfinity Series. But for all of your Derek Krauses, Haley Deegans, Tyler Ankrums, even look at your Daniel Suarez's, your Kyle Larson's that worked their way up to Cup Series, Xfinity Series, Stardom, and Victory Lane and Championships, you got your Todd Souza's, you got your Kimmel's, you got your Takuma Kogas. And I think that they should be recognized a little bit more than they are. Understandably so, you know, the guys that win a lot and the guys that are in the spotlight get most of that spotlight. But getting to know some of those drivers that are lifers in those series, so to speak, that really gave me a big appreciation and a big, big understanding of kind of why they do what they do. And that's just for the love of racing. Man, Davey, I love hearing you talk about the lifers, a lot of these series, you know, and uh, uh, I love I just love racing. We're all passionate about it. When I get done racing on a Saturday afternoon. Uh, man, I want to find a short track somewhere close to where our NASCAR, where we're, we're racing at around the country, because I want to go sit in the stands, walk through the garage area, the pit area, and see some of these kids racing and meet them and hear their stories. And it, it's amazing. But one of the things it's, I find intriguing is when I do that a lot, you know, uh, to hear, to meet the drivers and meet the families. And a lot of them are really great race car drivers that really, uh, you know, they love the sport. They love what they're doing. But a lot of them don't really have aspirations of going to NASCAR. They're, they're just enjoying uh, auto racing at their local racetrack. And the cool part about it, the stories I've heard over the years, you know, hey, I wouldn't spend this much time with my grandfather or my dad if we wasn't racing. We, we take care of our race car. We spend a lot of time together after work. I go to my dad's house where there's a shop. My grandpa comes over. And, and our family is so much tighter because of racing. My aunts, my sister, her husband, everybody comes to the racetrack on Saturdays, and it's a family affair. And, man, I just I, I love it. You know, everybody has their uh, the rhyme or reason why they do it, but it's brought a lot of families together across America, uh, you know, and to hear you speak at that, about the lifers and, and the different series, uh, I just think it's wonderful. So, you know, it's, it's, it's good to hear stories. The racing is great. You look at our superstars of our sport, Kyle Busch, uh, William Byron, 
there's so Matt crafting, you know, I was talking to Matt not that long ago and he races a IMC late model dirt car. I mean, IMC modified. I didn't even know he was doing it. He said, man, David, I'm having so much fun. And uh, even our superstars go back to the grassroots of late model racing somewhere where there's a big race. You'll see a William Byron or you'll see a, a Kyle Busch or somebody there running a race. And it just shows you how cool that is or what that means to them that have, you know, a lot of our superstars want to go back to where it all began for them. It's just, but, but I love hearing you explain the, uh, the, the lifers in all these different series, you know, it's not all about, you know, who's going to make it to NASCAR, who's not. There's a lot of great stories that we really never hear about. And uh, man, I, I loved hearing your story. Yeah. Just for a lot of people, NASCAR is, you know, maybe the ultimate goal, but for a lot of people, it's not. Yeah, and I think that, that that should be celebrated and appreciated in the form of motorsports and racing because you know we understand here NASCAR is kind of the focus and NASCAR is my passion David it's obviously your livelihood Dom and, and Tyler that's what you guys do too but racing is not NASCAR NASCAR is a form of motorsports and it is a series but racing is a whole lot bigger than that and I think that that can be appreciated on the grassroots level nationwide and worldwide Absolutely. Yeah, uh, for sure. And so, so Davey, uh, transitioning to the, the big NASCAR scene that, that you've covered and been a part of the last few years, uh, what's that been like when you've gone from the home tracks to the big tracks and seeing you know, NASCAR superstars on, on that front? What's, uh, what's the big difference between covering the, the big stuff compared to what you see at the home track circuits? Uh, parking. <laughs> uh, uh, Press boxes, Wi-Fi. Oh, Wi-Fi, that's a big difference. Um, from the media side, those are honestly like big things, but just also from a coverage standpoint, you know, it's different um, knowing how I perceived the national series and quote-unquote big NASCAR worked, you know, scheduled media availabilities, going through public relations representatives, very regimented schedules for all these drivers. This is going to happen at this time. You got to make sure you go through this person to talk to this person, et cetera, et cetera. Whereas, you know, on the short tracks, on the K&N level, even though it's NASCAR and some of the bigger teams, they have those protocols in place. A lot of the times you would just like the good old days, right? You just go up to somebody and just shoot the bull and you would just talk on or off the record, whatever you kind of specified and do with that information what you see fit. Um, so it was a bit of an adjustment for me, kind of like graduating up, I guess you could say, to the NASCAR National Series and learning and understanding the intricacies of how that worked and developing relationships with drivers and team representatives and industry members and stakeholders and things of that nature, which is obviously always an ongoing thing, right? Because you can never stop learning. There's obviously a ton of turnover going on in a bunch of different industries within the industry at large. So it was a, it was a small adjustment, though, because at the same time, you know, you're still covering race cars. You're still covering these personalities. And what these guys and gals are doing on the racetrack is the same. They're just trying to do the best that they can on any given Sunday, Saturday, Friday, whatever it may be. Um, so the end product is the same, but the way you get there and the way that the sausage is made, so to speak, just differs a little bit as you kind of move up. Yeah, so, so uh, Davey, how would you evaluate this season, what we've seen, the next-gen car, we talked about earlier Chase Elliott coming off that win. I mean, it's been a pretty fascinating season. What's your takeaways from what we've seen so far in 2022? I think fascinating is a, is a really apropos word there because when you throw in the intrigue of the next-gen car on the cup side, 
And that's obviously what, what I'll focus on. I mean, that is one of, if not the biggest unpredictable variable that we've had in the Cup Series, maybe ever, certainly in my adult lifetime, maybe in my entire lifetime, right? And, you know, we've heard drivers and crew chiefs and pundits speculate leading up to the year, well, we don't know what to expect. I have no idea what to expect. I don't know what's going to happen. And even now, halfway through the entire season, people are still saying, well, I don't know what to expect this weekend at New Hampshire. Maybe it'll be like Martinsville. Maybe it'll be like Gateway, but I don't know. We've never been there with this car. Simulation can only tell you so much. So I think that's kind of a breath of fresh air, though. We've seen a little bit of increased parity with the amount of different winners that we have. Um, different teams that are accustomed to maybe running in the 10th to 15th range are now running in the 5th to 10th range. I think track house racing is one of, if not the major storyline of the year, obviously coming out the gate, super, super strong. Ross winning a couple times, Daniel finally getting to victory lane, Justin kind of transforming that narrative around team ownership and franchising and what that model looks like. And by the way, Michael Jordan's still owning a, a team in the sport. Uh, we have a new revamped super speedway S track that we just raced on in Atlanta Road courses are coming fast and furious with this new next-gen car that's kind of modeled after an IMSA and a Trans Am car that's supposed to be better suited for those types of races. We may have a street course race next year. Tyler Reddick just signed with Toyota for two years from now. There is so much stuff going on. I can't keep it all straight sometimes. <laughs> but fascinating is a really good word for it because although all those guys and gals have said, you know, we don't know what to expect any given week, I feel like that's kind of true, and I'm sure, David, you could probably speak to that as well on the Xfinity side, given that, you know, there's a lot of turnover in that series personnel-wise. I have said for a long time that the Xfinity series is the deepest NASCAR National Series that we got from top to bottom in terms of driver talent and then also equipment disparity. I feel like it's just a really deep field week in and week out in the Xfinity series. And I think the next-gen cars kind of helped the Cup Series rival the Xfinity series in that regard this year. Yeah, no no doubt about it. But, man, you know, uh, just listening to you speak about it, but what an awesome season it's been to date. You know, I mean, we just – there was so much – so many questions and what ifs and how's this. and But, man, the racing, the product, having this new next-gen car with all these questions, at the end of the day – the racing's been phenomenal, you know what I mean? And and like you said, teams that we really aren't used to seeing run up front or even win races, the parity we have is amazing. And it's just been a, a great year. More fans are tuning in. It's so much interest. I even think the racing is probably as best as ever been, you know, with the car that was a lot of question marks. And anytime you have any, a design or a complete overhaul of a race car, there's going to be challenges, you know, and there's going to be learning curves. And NASCAR has done a tremendous job, the manufacturers, the teams, the drivers, the engineers. But, man, at week in and week out, it's amazing how awesome the racing is, you know. And, and I just – I love it. I just think we're seeing new fans come in. We're talking about so much news that's going on throughout the week. I just think our sport, man, there's – it's uh, – you know, there's a lot happening, and and uh, and uh, you know, we used to see 200,000, you know, 160,000 people at a racetrack. We don't see that these days, but man, the curve or the growth of the sport to me is has a good curve upwards. And uh, but man, I think the health of our industry, uh, racing, NASCAR racing, the National Series, even in the short tracks, man, it's just 
it's amazing when you got Michael Jordan coming into the sport, Pitbull joining uh, Trackhouse Racing. When you have these worldwide, worldly uh, figureheads, uh, Matt Collins. Matt, yeah, <laughs> when you have these people wanting to get involved in a sport that we all make a living in, and we're so passionate about, and we love. It says a lot about our industry. You know what I mean? So it's it's been an awesome year. We're only almost just a little bit halfway through the season, and mm -hmm. uh, man, with all the great news that happened today, uh, the Sunday's race was incredible with Corey LaJoy, what he was doing. It was a feel-good story. I mean, it's just so much great stuff going on in our sport, and I'm just honored to be a part of it. And, and you guys, you know, Dominic, Tyler, yourself, and you, Davey, I mean, the media side that, that tells the story about what happens at the local short tracks about the people that really aren't in the spotlight. And then, you know, you sharing all of y'all sharing your passion for it. And it's just, I, I just, man, I'm proud of what we do and how we do and what we're involved in. I think we're all very fortunate and blessed. Yeah. I think you're absolutely right yeah. about that. Davey, uh, a couple more things before we uh, get to our news and notes here. Uh, let me ask you the, the playoff picture. We mentioned Chase Elliott leading the way, but, Still some open spots on this, uh, far from settled and plenty of contenders. How do you think this playoff is ultimately going to look when we get this thing started here in a few weeks? Let me make myself clear. We will not have 17 winners. <laughs> not going to happen. Not going to happen. I've said Thank it since day one. I'm sticking with it. It's just not going to happen. Uh, <laughs> I would love if it did. I'm here for the chaos, but I just – I don't see that happening. Can you repeat so that, that, the Dominic one more time? Yes, Dom. We will not get to 17 winners. We won't even get to 16. I'll go ahead and you say that, you got to tell too. that to David Starr, too, because David and I were on that bandwagon this entire David, year. we will not get to I, 17 winners. I hear you. You know, Corey LaJoy almost uh, made that, you know, Sunday. Yeah. Man, that was just a <laughs> half a lap away from us possibly seeing 16 different winners, you know what I mean? And uh, yeah. and I'm, I don't have it right here in front of me, but I look at Kevin Harvick and I look at Christopher Bell and I look at Martin Truex Jr. And I might be missing one or another, but there's some really powerhouse teams and championship drivers that they haven't even won in 2022. So, I mean, I, I – uh, Anything's possible, you know what I mean? So uh, it's uh, – I just know every week, week in and week out, it's exciting. And, uh, hey, whether they're 16 or 17 or, or 14, it don't matter. It's just <laughs> exciting and fun to talk about. <laughs> yeah. Fun to watch. Yeah. 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 Ryan Blaney was one that I think is also winless that you didn't mention. So you got him, you got Truex, Bell, Harvick. All these guys are kind of sitting right at or below the cut line. Harvick's one that I'm, I'm looking at pretty intently because – Given his track record, right, we can give him the benefit of the doubt and say he will probably find a way to make his way into the postseason. But if you look at the stats and you look at the numbers right now and how many races are left and how many points he's got to make up, I'd, I don't know if I'd feel so confident in that. And, I mean, I know that SHR at New Hampshire last year obviously ran exceptionally well. Eric Amarola getting the win. So maybe it could happen there. Maybe Pocono or Michigan, a fuel mileage type deal. Daytona to close out the regular season is unpredictable for all those reasons that we've outlined. So I don't know. I mean, I want to give Harvick the benefit of the doubt, given that he is a champion. He's probably going to go into the Hall of Fame on the first ballot. He's deserving of all those things. But right now, as it's currently constructed, Ford is a little bit off. SHR is a little bit off. 
And in turn, Harvick is just a little bit behind guys like Christopher Bell, Martin Truex Jr., Ryan Blaney that haven't won a race yet. So I'm keeping a close eye on the four camp to see if they can kick it into high gear and, and try to make a little bit of magic here to get into the postseason. Yeah, in Kevin Harvick's case, it's not his fault. He's getting everything right. he can out of those race cars. His team Ford kind of letting him down right now. Now, one more thing before we get to our news and notes. Uh, Davey, you do a lot of TikToks and oh kind of recapping races. Uh, oh, boy. Before I, I play this clip, let, let's provide some context here. Uh, you go back to the, the championship race last year. David was a part of that, driving the 13 car for MBM Motorsports. And uh, you had a very uh, great – I don't even hard hard to describe. It was the the perfect two minute storytelling of of went went down, David. Tell us how you put this together before we play this. Yeah. So the TikTok recaps that I do every week, I think that's a good way of putting it too. It's kind of like a two maybe two minute and change story about how the race played out with a little bit of humor involved as well. You know, most of the drivers that I tend to make fun of, most of all Joey Logano when I put on the glasses and I ah, ah Frank. Even he admits that it's kind of funny and he gets a kick out of it, which I'm glad because the whole point of this is to make people laugh and for people to kind of look at it from a jovial, joking perspective. Um, so the, the clip that you're referring to, Tyler, I think that's the only time that I've ever impersonated David in one of my TikTok recaps, but he had a big part in the uh, ending of that race. So I figured that he was worth portraying in that moment. All right. All right. So, David, uh, you're going to get to see this for the first time. He's never seen this before, by the way. Oh, God. So you're going to get oh, a live God. reaction. Here we go. I'm pit now, Martin. Pit now. <laughs> Damn it. We're screwed, aren't we? Actually, it looks like with Alita. Might have gotten kissed on the there. What on your what? Fellas, it is time for Denny to deliver. Man, we just need an adjustment, a caution, something. Did somebody say caution? Yeah. Put it out, debris. All right, boys, this is the money stop. <laughs> so there it is, David. Wow. <laughs> that's Man, David, that's pretty awesome, dude. I mean, wow. I don't know if you've ever said yeet in your life. No, no. No. <laughs> no I never have. But. David's impersonating David's. You know, we just yeah. got that synergy going. No, that's pretty cool. Hey, man, looking back on it, you had an opportunity to run some cup races for Carl Long last year. I was driving his Xfinity car. And, you know, for a team like MBM Motorsports, very underfunded, not the best equipment, a lot of passion, a lot of love for the sport. Uh, racing that last race at Phoenix, knowing what was at stake uh, as a competitor, I've, I've been on the other side of it. It's like, man, you don't want anybody to, you know, uh, change the race per se. You know what I mean? Uh, and man, you know, we were we were we were kind of minding our own business. Uh, we're having a pretty good race for for our team, uh, for MBM Motorsports and the 13 car. I think we were running 26, 27th at the time. And uh, the special Bob Mentory paint scheme. By yeah, that. Bob Mentory. Yeah, crazy. <laughs> but, uh, but, you know, our goal was to try to finish, you know, is the best we could top, you know, 20th, 21st, 22nd. We were, I think we were 27th at the time. And, you know, somewhat competitive with the people that we were racing. Uh and, man, to have a, you know, I, I was really so disappointed because it wasn't a lot of laps, 20 laps, 30 laps to go. Mm -hmm. And, man, to, we use lots of braking, lots of braking at Phoenix and have our, our rotor explode. I mean, 
it was nuts, man. I was so disappointed, you know. I was like, man, Carl, how old were these brakes? You know, you got to have brakes, you know. You can't have your brakes explode. I kind mean, of important. Yeah, absolutely, you know. It's like, man, you got to have decent brakes, you know, because, man, first of all, you're going to destroy your car. You go into a corner at Phoenix where you use a lot of brakes and you ain't got no brakes. You can pretty much throw that piece away, that race car away. And, uh, man, I was excited because we're going to have a decent finish. And uh, to have the freaking left front rotor explode, and, and I, I, I don't know how we didn't wreck. And I was just so involved in, in our situation and disappointed. I wasn't, even, I wasn't even thinking, man, what's going on with the championship? Oh, you know yeah. what I mean? And, you know, after you uh, – you know, I didn't hit the wall, didn't get in anybody's way. We caused a caution. And then, man, the next day or two days later, hell, I think Tom, uh, uh, Tyler, or Dominic said, "Man, have you seen all this stuff? You're, they're like, they're talking crap about you, this and that." Man, I had nothing to do with any of it. You know, I was just out there minding my own business, racing right. the people that we that we race with, and uh, it was just one of those things. You know, I was just, I was mad that we didn't, we, we didn't, we couldn't finish the race. You know, and and I and, and looking back on it, people people were saying. You know, uh, I don't know. So people all over the internet had reactions. Davies was good. Um, I don't know if he's seen this one, but my favorite meme to come up of, of it was <laughs> the office of uh, you negotiating a deal with Rick Hendrick, uh, a little sidekick <laughs> Scott from the office. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, but hey, man, as a racer, you know, you, uh, you know. And, and So there was no handshake agreement. Oh, with absolutely. You know, one of the things, <laughs> even though we were racing hard, you know, when and knowing our team and kind of funding we have, and you know what you don't ever want to do, you don't want to change. You don't want to get in a way to change the how the race is playing out. You don't want right. to be that person, you know. And one of the things I made sure with my spotter, you know, I said, "Hey, you make sure I know in advance when the leaders are coming." You know what I mean? Because you don't want to be in their way out of respect. You know what I mean? And uh you mean you and, didn't do that on purpose? Because everybody on the uh, internet assumes you did. Well, hey man, you know, I, I use on the internet is true. Hey, I use yeah. the brakes hard and uh, you know, if, if doing it on purpose by using the brakes, you know, I mean, I was just trying to slow our race car down and trying to get in turn one. But uh, hey, if anything, you created a fair opportunity where they all got to go to pit road and decide the championship <laughs> right then. Yeah, Team but I'm poor David. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I hear you, but I don't even remember who was leading, but Truex, was. Truex was, and I think he was one of the four, right? Wasn't yes, he was. Mm -hmm. and you Kyle know, Larson came out yeah, first with the fastest pit stop of the year. You know, so anyway, I mean, you just, it's, you don't want to be part of that, but unfortunately with uh, equi the equipment we had, and I, obviously our brakes wasn't brand new or that wouldn't happen, you know what I mean? It just, uh, but hey, man, every once in a while it just happens that way, you know, no, no, uh, you know, I sure in the hell didn't do it on purpose. So, Don, <laughs> David, I, I have to ask you, I mean, I've never asked you this. I don't know if Tyler's ever asked you this, but when that all happened, of course, what, that was six months ago, almost a year now since the championship race. Did any of the four championship contenders ever come up and talk with you about it? Did any of them ever come and ask what happened? Man, First I never two. heard, I only, I never heard anything. I didn't even know that, that people were, you know, they get, you were part of that conversation, you know, until I think, Tyler, it was you or Dominic. <laughs> yeah. our fault. Dude. I mean, y'all were telling me what was going on. I mean, I'm well, not, yeah, you're in, you're racing. You're in your own zone. Like you're man, doing you. No doubt about it. And then when I leave the racetrack, you know, I, I don't really keep up 
with what's the, what's going on social wise. You know what I mean? I'm a pretty busy guy and I got my own business. You know, I just I don't know. I'm not one to keep up with what's happening, I guess, well, socially. And uh I didn't even know what was going on until these guys brought it to my attention, you know, and, and well, the worst. What, what happened on social media, Kyle Larson fans loved you. Uh Martin Truex, Chase Elliott and Kyle and uh Denny Hamlin fans were, were not kind. We'll leave <laughs> I loved you. You gave me good content for my TikTok recap. Yeah, yeah, there you go. Well, I'm glad I'm glad I could help you out on your TikTok you. on the content you needed, <laughs> Davey. So uh, I appreciate that, man. Appreciate <laughs> you, David. We yeah, will move yeah, on yeah. and get to our news and notes segment, which is presented by Ticket Smarter, the official ticket resale marketplace of Worldwide Technology Raceway. David won there in 2004 in the truck. They were the presenting sponsor of this year's cup race in June. Fans can get tickets to any type of event, including sports, concerts, and theater productions. You know, I just saw Machine Gun Kelly the other night. Got my tickets on Ticket Smarter. Ticket Smarter is committed to helping those in need by donating $1 from every transaction to various charity organizations. Head over to TicketSmarter.com to find tickets for upcoming events. That's TicketSmarter.com. David, do you know who Machine Gun Kelly is? I, I do know who Really? Machine Gun, oh, absolutely, man. I'm impressed. So, well, I do. You know, I, I definitely – I mean, do you know who Blake Shelton is? I love Blake <laughs> Shelton. Yes. I have met Blake Shelton, actually. Yeah. Yes. But, man, Ticket Smarter, man, what a great place. The fans, people come up to me all the time, tell me how cool it is that they bought their tickets to a concert or the race through Ticket Smarter. I said, man, you get such a great deal there. You know, I said, well, hey, thank you for supporting us, you know, and and, and, and the truth of the matter is every transaction, Ticket Smarter gives a dollar to, to a, a children's charity. It's really, a, they're just a great company and, and, I'm, and I'm honored to, to be a part of it. Yeah, they're, they're great, no doubt about it. All right, uh, Dom, news and notes time. We might have something to talk about. <laughs> we might have something to talk about. Well, we're only going to go over one headline in the news and notes, but it's a pretty darn big one, guys. So on Tuesday, July the 12th, 2311 Racing announced that Tyler Reddick will be joining the team in 2024. Reddick, certainly one of the most sought-after drivers, will be joining their lineup. No word on if they will be a three-core organization, what's going to happen with their current lineup with Bubba Wallace and Kurt Busch. But RCR also released a statement today, too, and I quote, we're proud of the success Tyler Reddick has found at Rich Childress Racing. We're focused on winning a championship in 2002 and 2023, although the timing of this announcement couldn't be any worse. Certainly a lot of questions and way more questions after this announcement, but guys, definitely, we know Tyler Reddick's going to be having his moves over the next couple of years. Where do all the other pieces fall? So, Davey, well, let's start with you. What's your immediate reaction to Tyler Reddick heading to 2311? Let me fix my camera here. Sorry, it's all wonky. Give me a minute. Okay, hold on. Stand by. And we are back and rolling. Okay. Uh, man, I was shocked. Um, I was on the media availability, and I was kind of like doing something else, and I, I hear like a weird voice, and it was Tyler Reddick. And Lisa Hughes-Kennedy, who's moderating the availability, She's like, Tyler, I, I think you're in the wrong room. And I was like, that's weird. Why would he join this one? And then he has a little smile on his face, and I'm like, okay, what, what's going on here? And then Denny goes, well, actually, and I go, oh, no way. And then I was like, well, is he going next year? I thought he had already signed for RCR, and then he said 2024. And I was like, well, there's a lot going on here, a lot to absorb, lots to figure out. Um, it is an incredible get 
for Toyota in 23-11 racing. I think Tyler Reddick was and probably is the most coveted free agent for that 2024 class. Now he's off the board, obviously, but this guy is a two-time Xfinity champion. He's now a Cup Series winner. Uh, he's proven himself versatile on all different track types, be it short tracks, road courses, intermediates, super speedways, low grip, high grip, low downforce, high downforce. And he's still really, really young, and he's extremely marketable. He's extremely charismatic. He is the full package. Um, and I think that Denny Hamlin said it pretty well. He said, I've raced against him. I've competed against him. I saw him. I want him. And I got him. That's That about sums it up right there. Yeah, uh, David, big addition for 2311. We still don't know exactly if it's going to be a third car or if he's going to take the seat of Bubba Wallace and Kurt Busch. But nonetheless, as big of a get it is for 2311, this is a huge loss to RCR. He was the best driver they've had since Kevin Harvick. Their performance over the years has not been good unless it's been Tyler Reddick. Is this a bigger gain for 2311 or a bigger loss for RCR? I tend to lean more towards the loss for RCR. Man, no, no, no doubt about it. You know, Tyler Reddick is the most sought-out driver because, you know, you knew he was coming free agent. But, man, uh, and hear Davey speak about him. I mean, two, two Xfinity championships, low grip, high grip. I mean, whatever type of race track we're competing on, Tyler Reddick is right there in the front. And – Man, this guy is so talented, just one of – just a great race car driver, and uh, he's got everything, everything. He's, he's, he's perfect for a big organization. And, uh, man, I think it's a big loss to RCR. I mean, it was uh, – you know, when, when we were talking about it a couple of weeks ago on our podcast, it's like, man, it'd be foolish for RCR not to tie him down for a three-, four-, five-year contract. I mean, I mean, he's the future. I mean, he, he's good. And he, I mean, for a sponsor standpoint, you that's that's what you want right there. Race winner, uh, you know, charismatic, good with the sponsors. Yeah, I mean, he has it all. Well spoken. Well spoken. I was really uh surprised that they gave him a one-year extension. I'm like, are you crazy? I mean, and and man, I I was shocked when I heard the news today, but I wasn't shocked, you know what I'm saying? And uh and, and Davey, Denny Hamlin said it best. <laughs> he put it, he said it, his statement was spot on. But I, I think it's a big loss for RCR racing. I mean, because, man, he has put them back on the map. You know, I know there's, there's another driver over there, but the three car is not what the eight car has been the last couple of years. I mean, the eight car has really put that place, it's kind of, is their championship opportunity again. You know what I mean? And, you know, as you watch it week in and week out, month after month, I mean, that's a big loss to RCR. Even, you know, who who are they going to place Tyler Reddick with? You know what I mean? I well, mean, and, and even to take it a step further, Davey, maybe I, I'm reaching a little far on this, but uh, I'll bring Dominic in on this too. I mean, you lose Tyler Reddick, your flagship driver – and there's not an immediate solution there. I mean, no disrespect to Austin Hill or Noah Gregson or any of that, but there's just nobody that can live up to what Tyler Reddick brings to the table here. Dom, I, I wouldn't be shocked if at the end of the day we see maybe even this be the time for Richard to 
retire and get out of the sport. Maybe we see this as an opportunity for Dale Jr. to finally get in the cup level and, and buy a charter team or something. I, I think that nothing's off the table now. Now you lose your best driver and don't have an immediate solution. You said it best, man. There's just so many options. There's so many inroads and possibilities that can happen now that Tyler Reddick is going to be out of the picture here in a year and a half. What happens to that three car? What happens to the eight car? Do they go back to the three and the 31? Do they leave the sport altogether? Junior motorsports, what happens there? Do they maybe bring somebody else? I mean, could they even void Tyler Reddick's contract for 2023 if they really wanted to? There, there's just so many options and so many things that could happen. I mean, Davey, I was seeing something online earlier that I guess there's a really big push to have Corey LaJoy maybe at RCR. I mean, how realistic is something like that even for next season? I think uh, I think Tyler said it best. There's there's a lot on the table and anything is is a possibility, right? I think going as far as saying RC getting out of the sport, I think he would probably tell you until he's blue in the face, they're going to have to rip the team out of his hands, right? He's not going to give that up, but you never know. I mean, Chip Ganassi wasn't looking to get out of the sport and Justin Marks may have been offered he couldn't refuse, right? So, you know, anything is is on the table here. I think Corey LaJoy is a good option. Eric Jones, I think he re-signed for one year with Petty GMS, but after 23, we don't really know his plans, if they're set in stone yet or not. There's a lot of other moving parts and pieces with drivers that are coming up from the Xfinity series, even from the truck series. Um, you know, there's Sheldon Creed and Austin Hill that you mentioned are in the RCR camp already. Colleg Racing has a tie to RCR. They've got AJ Allmendinger. They've got Daniel Hamrick. They've got Landon Castle. They've got Noah Gregson. So there are plenty of options. Another wrinkle to this whole situation is the lame duck aspect of it. It's not unprecedented, right? It happened with Casey Kane with Hendrick before, happened with Harvick and RCR again already in 2012 before he went to SHR. Clint Boyer did it before he went to Stuart Haas Racing, spent that year at H. Scott Motorsports. So this has happened before, but I think kind of the, the blindside aspect of this comes from just the fact that we knew that Reddick was going to be back at RCR in 2023, and it was only nine days ago that he won. I mean, it's not that long ago. And at that point, he's in victory lane with his guys. He's celebrating. He's hooting and hollering. He's high-fiving. We don't know the timeline for sure, but conventional wisdom would suggest that he had already signed his deal at that point. So yeah. it's just wild to think about the timeline and, and how quick and accelerated it really was 18 months in advance. Well, and, and you know, I, I'm not trying to beat on any PR people because you know, we all have friends that work in the industry and the ins and outs. But I, I thought it wasn't very professional from RCR, their, their statement of, of talking about the timing, because if anything... I felt, David, that him giving them a year and a half notice that he was leaving, that he was signing elsewhere, uh, you, you talk about timing, he has given them now plenty of time to fill that spot, to go find a driver, whatever it may be. Um, you know, th th this year and a half, if I'm RCR, if you weren't going to get Tyler Reddick back, I mean, the one thing he did give you was actually time. I thought he handled it fine. But you know, you know, the the bigger the bigger picture is. I mean, there's a championship at stake. I mean, there's there's. I mean, Tyler Reddick is in the chase. He's he's. I mean, RCR has a shot at being the champion. You know, uh, and I think the distractions that come knowing that your drivers, you know, the future is not Tyler Reddick anymore. I I think there's distractions there, and uh, man. I, 
I was really surprised with the uh, the timing of all this. You know, I mean, when when is the right or wrong time? But man, you know, there's 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 championship. I mean, to me, you know, the focus is on winning a championship, putting RCR back, you know, back on top, and having that opportunity. But now you have there's a little bit of, of cloudiness in the organization. You know that now yeah. now you know that he is not the the future of our of our organization like we thought he was you know so i don't know it's just it's interesting man it's it's uh it's exciting it's shocking it's it's man it's just it just kind of goes back to man the whole season's been um, unbelievable with all the different moving parts you know and this was just big news today and will be big news the rest i i feel like until the end of the year you know and if you thought this was crazy the IndyCar scene with Alex Paolo in that situation of uh, Chip Ganassi announcing that they had opted in, and then he says that he's gone to uh, McLaurin, that team, and that whole situation, and the fake yeah. quote that came out in the PR, the, the, the press release today. I mean, what, Davey, what a wild day of free agency in motorsports. I was, I was watching a show, and I opened up my phone, and I see that that went down, and I was like, What's happening today? What is going on? <laughs> I mean, that that's something that I don't think that I've ever seen. A team says, all right, our driver's coming back. The driver says, no, I'm not. The new team says, we got him. And then there was actually just, I mean, we're kind of recording the reigning live, but champ of that series. The reigning champ. And, and there was just a statement that came out from Chip Ganassi that basically said, we stand by our statement. We, we picked up his option for next year. We expect them to drive for us next year. So I don't know what the hell's going to happen there either. There is there's a whole lot of drama going on. Yeah, it's uh, it's wild. Uh, real quick, and then we'll uh, move on. Look ahead to this weekend at uh, New Hampshire. Uh, Dom, what what are we expecting here, and who's uh, who's your pick to get it done? Yeah, New Hampshire's always been a cool track. Where I mean, yeah, weather has affected the race over the years, but we know it could come down to fuel mileage race. We saw a great race last year. Matt DiBenedetto potentially going to win. Eric Almarola, the, the depending darkness, and NASCAR calling the race short. I expect some more chaos from New Hampshire this race weekend, and I'm I'm going to pull a David Starr here. I'm going to go Kevin Harvick to get it done in New Hampshire. Okay, Kevin Harvick gets it done. Uh, David, who who do you like this week? I mean, you know, I'm going to have to go with Kevin Harvick. The dominant, I mean, the dominance that uh, that Eric Almarillo had last year. I mean about halfway through the race. I mean, I, I didn't even, I was there. We had a race on Saturday and, and man, I, I didn't see him as the winner of the race, but man, late into the, I don't know, about a quarter way to go to the end. I mean, there he was. And, uh, but man, he was dominant and, uh, uh, you know, but we got, that was a different race car. So I, I, I don't know. I keep saying Kevin Harvick cause I so badly want to see him, make the chase and, and you just think any given weekend that Stuart Haas racing is going to step up to the plate and 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 be what they've always been you know yeah. what I mean so uh you know I know it, it's time is not on their side but uh, you know yeah I'd love to see Kevin Hart go to victory lane there in New, Ham in New Hampshire I am going to go with uh, a guy that has come very close I think he should have more wins than he does this year Give me Kyle Bush to get it done in New Hampshire. Davey, who do you like? I'm going to go with uh, New England boy. Joey Logano is <laughs> going to get her done. Absolutely. And he's won at uh, New Hampshire before. Uh, yes, that's he has. He has the yeah. first career win holding that lobster there uh, for Joe Gibbs. 
We will shift gears to our final segment, our Ask David segment. We'll begin in just one moment before we do. Today's show is presented by Ticket Smarter. Ticket Smarter came aboard as the primary sponsor this year in David's 08 Ford Mustang. We want to tell you a little bit more about what they do. Ticket Smarter is a national ticket resale marketplace with tickets to over 125,000 live events, including NASCAR and other forms of motorsports. Fans can get tickets to every NASCAR Cup Xfinity and Camping World Truck Race throughout the season. Visit TicketSmarter.com for more. That's TicketSmarter.com. Time for our Ask David segment. Each and every week, we ask you to submit questions to David, as well as our guest of the week. You can check us out on Facebook, facebook.com slash David Star Podcast, Twitter at Star Podcast, and by email, David Star Podcast at gmail.com. Also, we now have the official uh, Let's Go Racing with David Star Facebook group with uh, exclusive content and access there. So we encourage you to join that Facebook group. If you're watching on YouTube, we'll have the link to the group in the uh, comments on the uh, YouTube page. So, uh, a question for David, but this really goes to everybody, but we'll start with you, David. Our uh, first one in the inbox this week comes from Wendy. Wendy wants to know, David, what's it like when somebody says they're a fan of you, when they root for you every week that you don't know? Man, I, I <laughs> you know, I think we all have fans, all of us do, but I, I, I always just pinch myself. I mean, you know, I'm just a normal guy, I've worked hard loves racing and to have fans, you know, that send you fan mail, somebody asks you for an autograph. I mean, I'm just, you're so honored. You know what I mean? Because it's pretty cool when they choose you as their favorite driver. Well, it, it is, you know, I mean, there's, there's so many great race car drivers out there and, uh, you know, it ain't like we're parking our, you know, our ticket smarter Ford Mustang and victory lane every week, you know, but, uh, but man, the best part about our sport, I love the racing side, but without the fans, we don't have a sport. So I love to engage with them, visit with them. And, and, uh, but man, it, it's an honor. It's, it's, it's an honor. Sometimes crazy, you know, how, you know, the fans are very passionate about who they follow and who they love and who they hate. And, uh, to have fans follow either one of us or all the other drivers, it's, it's a big honor, man. I'm honored when somebody says, Hey, I'm a big fan of yours. I've been following you for years. It's, a, it's just a, it's cool. And it's an honor. Davey, along those same lines, kind of like in our perspective for, for me and, and Dominic and you, what's that like of just people that, that, uh, that follow your work and, or, and, and are checking everything you do. I, I mean, you know, we're not like what David is, but I mean, I always appreciate, you know, all that response and just anybody that, uh, you know, checks out what we're doing and all that, the stuff, it, it makes that hard work feel like it's paid off a bit. Yeah, I think it's validating, you know, to a certain extent, um, whether it's people that, you know, say, oh, I listen to your show, it's really good, or hey, I heard you doing this, or I read this, it's really great, or thanks for all your coverage, or even it's weird for me still, but when I go to the track, people come up to me, they go, oh, are you that guy from TikTok? And I'm like, yes, <laughs> yes, I am. And they ask for selfies. It's, it's kind of weird because I'm like, why do you want a picture with me? There's like Parker Klugman walking right behind me. That happened one time. Um, but yeah, it, it, it's validating. You know, I think in any line of work, when you put your heart and your soul into it um, and you're trying to get people to listen, watch, read, whatever it is, when they do that, it feels good. So validating is probably the word for me. Dominic, uh, I think you're the only one of us not verified on Twitter, but there are people that love you. <laughs> oh, no, I'm not. I'm oh. not. Oh, okay. We got to get David back verified. 
We gotta get Davey verified. Before yeah, time. I need it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, oh, I'm no, not big but, time enough. Hey, everybody's verified on this deal. We might, we might not, <laughs> not, Dominic. not Dominic. <laughs> I don't, not me. I will say one of the coolest things. This was at Atlanta, 2018. I had a fan come up to me and ask, well, "Who do you work with?" You can see I was wearing the, the annual credential, the hard card. Some of the racing experts. He goes, "Oh, I know about you guys. I read some of your guys' work. I see your stuff on Facebook." And I thought, "Wow, that's pretty cool. I didn't even know this guy." Uh, that was really cool. And even doing stuff with this show and, and getting to work with David and Tyler every week. There's been a few occasions. The first time was Phoenix last year for the March race. I had a fan come up to me. He goes, I know who you are. You're Dominic. You did the podcast with Tyler and David. And I'm like, yeah, that's me. And he goes, I appreciate it. And he's like, yeah, I really like what you guys are doing. And even a few weeks ago, Tyler, at the, the track in Texas, there was a fan that had recognized me in the, the condo elevators on the way to and from, the, from Mark Tate's condo, who we spent a lot of time with. And we've done the show with here from time to time. Like, oh, yeah, you do the show with David. Yeah, I do. So, yeah, it's pretty cool. You're right. I think Davey has a good point. When you put your heart and soul into it, I think people respond to that. and People know that you care. and It makes them care. And, and Tyler, let's be honest, that voice is very recognizable. I'm sure you have many people who recognize you, not only for your work here, but in other stuff that you do. The Jones Report, all the stuff, all the projects that you have your hands in. Yeah, uh, what, what's funny to me is uh, is reading the, the comment sections, uh, of whether it's the YouTube comments or my mentions on Twitter, and most of the time it's positive. Occasionally you do have uh, some haters out there, but, you know, as long as they're watching one way or the other, that's what matters. So, uh, but, you know, we I, I appreciate the haters, the losers, and everything in between. You know, we're, we're very grateful. We, we can't do this without people that watch and listen and, and all that. So, you know, the, this, this at the end of the day, it's what we do is for an audience and people out there, and we can't, we appreciate you guys so much. Next question comes from Steve. Uh, David, we'll start with you this time. Uh, Steve wants to know, a uh, question for all of us, who is the best NASCAR driver to never win a cup title? We start with you, David, because this is a, uh, uh, a divisive conversation between Dominic and I. So you go ahead and lead the way here. <laughs> with all due respect to Mark Martin, I think it's Denny Hamill. Yes! No! Davey! No, wrong team, man. Sorry. No. Sorry. No. Yes. I, I, that's that's sorry. the correct answer, Davey. No. no. Thank you. Oh, Davey, I have so much respect for you. Like, I, I lost a couple pegs there. Come on. <laughs> uh, what are you going to do? Yeah. <laughs> Davey, I'm, I'm glad you're here. You backed me up that we're not getting the 16 winners and that Denny Hamlin's the best driver that's never right. That's right. I mean, come uh, on, dude. Five times you have a guy that goes and – Backup champion, right? Second place in points, 90. 90 Backup, yeah, that's not a thing. 2009. Well, I guess second place is first loser. But Mark Martin was the runner-up five times. 40 wins. Won five races at 50 years old. I'll be impressed if Hamlet can do that at 50. Hamlet's already got more wins and, they, and more Daytona 500 times. Exactly. More wins already for Denny Hamlin. And I think especially in this day and age, in this era of motorsports and how the champions decided, you can't value points – finishing positions you need to value wins and you need to value championship four appearances I know that you can't really compare those to Mark Martin's era and I will fully admit that recency bias plays a factor because I grew up watching Denny Hamlin I also grew up watching Mark Martin but kind of towards the back nine of his career but given the way that the cup series is currently constructed Denny Hamlin has had oodles and oodles of success and I think driving-wise, you know, his legacy is obviously going to extend far past that with 23-11 racing. But I, I think Denny's the best driver to never win a cup title. I do. 
Okay, and David, uh, is it Denny? Is it Mark Martin? Is it somebody we didn't mention? Is it well, I mean, I always thought it was Mark Martin, you know what I mean? Because Thank you, David. Thank you. The reason why I say that, because Mark's retired. Denny Hamlin, I believe, is going to win a championship. And I don't even think he's going to be in this conversation. But he is right now. But, Ray, you know, uh, I remember one of the races I won. Mark Martin was the first one in Victor Lane to congratulate me. I just think he's a class act. But one of what I really, really respect about Mark Martin is how great of a race car driver was and what a great chassis man he was. He knew what he needed in a car. He knew what he wanted the car to do when he entered the corner. He knew he wanted how he wanted it to turn, and he knew what springs and shocks. And I was always. Uh, Kind of, uh, I watched him a lot just because he was so good, you know, and he could really help his team give him what he needed to win in a race car. And just the respect, he's a good friend of mine. And it's amazing, you know, how good Mark Martin was and all the wins he had with Roush Racing. But it's amazing that he never won a championship. I still, it's hard to believe that, you know, but I believe that they, that their two names, Denny Hamlin, and Mark Martin won't be – they won't be part of this conversation eventually because I, I really feel like Denny Hamlin will have a championship before his career is over with. He's too good. The organization he's with, Toyota, I mean, they're just a championship caliper team. And, uh, you know, and for Denny's sake and Toyota and Joe Gibbs racing, I mean, I, I hope – I hope Denny has a championship more than just one because, man – you, you, can you imagine being Mark Martin? I mean, I'm, I'm, how do you sleep at night? He was so good, won so many races, and never went in a championship. You know that, the, you know, I know that still bothers him. You know what I mean? So I, I hope it doesn't happen to Denny Hamlin. I hope he gets his championship eventually. And, uh, you know, so you can't put them in the same group. <laughs> so, so, Davey, along those lines, uh, as good as Denny is, and we've seen – some of his best racing over the last few years. We know that he's in the back end of his career now. Um, what do you think are the odds that he doesn't win a title before his career finishes at this point? I mean, percentage-wise, I think the odds are good that he doesn't win. I mean, that's just like looking at the facts, right? I mean, he's with Joe Gibbs Racing. They're perennial title contenders every single year. As long as you get to the championship four, you got a 25% chance, right? But he has fewer years ahead of him than he, than he did last year, right? I mean, like, time's running out, and I think that he understands that. I think that there's something to be said for where his mind's at and where his head's at and where it has been at on the racetrack and off, talking about 2311 racing and how much he's focused on that. He, he says publicly, and, you know, you got to take him at his word that he's fully committed to driving the 11 FedEx Toyota for JGR, but when you – when you run into Ricky Stenhouse Jr. under caution to show your displeasure for what happened to the car that you own, you got to question if your head is 100% in the game for the car that you're driving. So with that being said, I think that Denny Hamlin still should be among your title favorites, probably in the first sentence, even though he's 20th in points right now, he's still got two wins. Chris Gabehart is still one of the best crew chiefs in the garage and the 11 team on pit road is one of the most consistent ones as well. But looking at the numbers, he, he does not have that many years ahead of him anymore. And I think he understands that. He's been a realist about that. He has said also publicly, you know, he is completely at peace 
with the fact that he may never end up winning a Cup Series championship. And I, I fully believe him on that. Does he want to? Of course he wants to. But given the recent string of success that we're seeing out of Trackhouse Racing, Kyle Larson, Hendrick Motorsports overall, I mean, I think, you know, if I had to put a number on it, Denny probably has two to three really good years and good shots left at winning a title. The clock is ticking. And if he doesn't cash in, he might just be the next Mark Martin. Well, Dominic, there's another factor in all this, too. When Denny was on the Dale Jr. download a while back, he said that he wants to stay in the 11 JGR Toyota if FedEx stays. But if FedEx leaves, then he says he would race for his own team, that he would look at that as an option for 2311 if that unfolds. Um, I, I think it's very hard to imagine. Now, granted, they've taken some big strides this year, but 2311 being championship worthy of sorts and, and Denny Hamlin making a move over to there, if he's going to win a championship, it's got to be with Joe Gibbs, I think. I think so, too. And like you said, that time's running out. I think he even said on that podcast, and not often do you get to see a driver start and end their career with the same car number, the same team, the same sponsor. And I think he really, truly does want that. But it's a matter of time. I, I mean, realistically, guys, are we looking at maybe two or three more years of a competitive Denny Hamlin? We, send, we tend to see drivers start falling off in their mid to late 40s. And, and that retirement age seems to have moved up for a lot of these cup guys. And I think Jeff Gordon set that trend in 2015 when he stepped away at about 42 years old. And we're seeing guys kind of follow suit. Carl was at 36. Danny's on, I don't want to say borrowed time, but there are certainly more races behind him than ahead of him. Yeah, I think you're right about that. Guys, uh, we got to go. Davey, uh, tell people where they can find all the work you're doing, whether it's with Sirius or on social media and everything. Where's uh, the easiest way to find you? You can just search my name on any platform. You'll most likely find me there. Davey Center on Twitter, Davey Siegel on Facebook, uh, Davey Siegel on TikTok as well. You can go back and find the David Starr-esque page from Phoenix <laughs> last year. Um, and also follow us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram at NASCAR. And uh, you can hear me every weekend as a host of Loose Ends, replaying some of the best interviews from the week on Channel 90. So hope you all tune in. Hope you all stick around. And I, I appreciate you guys having me. I know it's been a long time coming, and uh, I'm a frequent listener, so I'm glad to finally get on the other side of things. <laughs> we love having you here. Uh, go around the room real quick. Uh, Dominic, what's uh, going on with you this week, man? I'll be up here in Santa Fe just kind of getting things done around the, the city and covering the race weekend remotely from New Hampshire. And, hey, we appreciate you guys. We know the fans, you guys are listening. You're interacting with a lot of our stuff on social media. You guys have been seeing where we've been doing a lot of giveaways. Well, our next giveaway – it's a Michael McDell relic card. So all you have to do is just follow our Twitter page for the rules and details on that. And all you have to do is just interact. You might be the next big winner. We've been giving away a lot of autograph stuff this year, so we're happy to continue to do it. And like Tyler said earlier on, interact with us on that Facebook group page, the Let's Go Racing podcast group on Facebook, where we love to interact with all of our fans out there. And Davey, open invitation there too. We'd love to have you in the group. I'll be there. Awesome. David, David, what an honor it is, man. It's cool to have you on our podcast. Thank you for joining us. And uh, we really appreciate your insight on things. And, uh, you know, me, I'm, I'm, I got a couple more days working at, at my racing school at the Texas Motor Speedway and then uh, head to Loudoun. Can't, can't wait to uh, get in my Ford Mustang and, uh, and to race again Saturday. It's going to be a great race. Loudoun's always uh, always exciting race. And uh, 
man, I think it's going to be a great race weekend and, and not only an Xfinity series, but man, the cup, you know, it's, uh, there's a lot at stake on Sunday and I'll be tuning in and watching and, uh, and man, we appreciate all the fans tuning in, watching our show. It's, uh, we love what we do and we, we surely enjoy, uh, giving y'all our insight and Davey, thank you for joining us, buddy. Thanks yeah. for having me, David. I appreciate it guys. Absolutely. Uh, I am, uh, staying around here in Dallas this week, but uh, the Summer of Jones rolls on next week in Phoenix. So uh, looking forward to that. And uh, we thank you, the listener, for joining us here on today's show. As always, subscribe to new episodes of Let's Go Racing with David Starr out each and every Wednesday. Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and YouTube. Subscribe, hit that like button. We certainly would appreciate it. Leave us a five-star review or don't leave us one at all. And you can check us out on social media, facebook.com slash David Star Podcast, Twitter, Star Podcast, and my email, David Star Podcast, gmail.com. For Dominic Arragon, David Siegel, and David Star, I'm Tyler Jones. Thanks a lot. It's been another edition of Let's Go Right. See you next time.